And a very big hello to you all and welcome to another governance update from VLGA Connect with Stephen Cooper joining us. Hi, Stephen. Hello, Chris. Has something it's, happened this week? It's like heaven for governance it's this week. I don't know I don't know where to look. There's the US election, there's all the council elections, uh, there's some other association elections all going on at the same time. It's like Christmas has come just a tad early. And people say it's governance is boring. It doesn't get any better than this, Chris. No, uh, I assume you're keeping a close eye on what's happening across in the, uh, the US of A. I just might have had the occasional peak um, during yeah. the day, Chris. Yes, still counting. And for me, it's the occasional peak in the middle of the night. I haven't been able to sleep. It's so exciting, Stephen. But let's talk about matters closer to home. Uh, the council elections are they're being drip fed, let's be mm. honest, across the week. They're not all in yet, but we are seeing some interesting trends. Um, it's, uh, you know, lots of incumbents obviously being returned, some not. Um, a real trend towards female dominated councils in metropolitan areas, not so much in rurals. Um, just a couple of the the trends that I'm picking up. What what are you noticing most? Still? I think so it's similar to you, Chris, and interesting with the election of female candidates, the information I got uh, as of yesterday, which was um, Thursday, was that something in the order of 40 to 41% of returned candidates um, being female, which is an increase on, on last time around. Uh, some really stellar examples, Knox City Council, nine out of 10 of wow. the new council are female councillors. Um, so, yeah, particularly in the metro areas, very strong. I think the other thing I noticed, Chris, was um, the distinction, and this always happens, that sometimes um, candidates um, relying on preferences, um, leapfrogging over other candidates to get out over the line, which sort of would indicate either a strong community awareness or um, really good organisation in terms of managing preferences. Um, compare and contrast from times other candidates. I know of one high-profile candidate who polled 15% of the primary vote, needed 25% um, in about a 10-horse race, fell short. Um, so preferences, preferences matter. Really interesting, isn't it? Because you look at, um, and, and of course, we haven't seen this officially. We've had to rely on what some candidates have been posting via scrutinies, et cetera. You look at that first primary vote count, and you often tend to think, oh, okay, well, that person, they should be safe. And then there's always an example, like you've just said, where the preferences don't flow their way. And you think, how, how did that happen? How did that say? happen? And you have to yeah. go to that little line on the VEC website, which says distribution of preferences here with a little link to an Excel spreadsheet and um, yeah. sort of yeah. minimise it so it all fits on the screen, Chris. Steve, there's, a, there's a, quite a bit of angst out there too. I, I, I Frustration is probably the word with the way it's coming through in a drip-fed nature and those scrutineers sort of views of how voting's going haven't been more publicly available. Is that a problem, do you think? this Is it a COVID thing or is this the way it's going to be, do you think, from now on? Um, I don't know officially, Chris. I am presuming it's a COVID thing and I do know that the VEC have had to overlay COVID safe procedures onto every element of its performance. And I can only presume that the that has sucked out resources that would have otherwise been given to what we would normally see um, where the results as they're available are uploaded. So, you know, so in the past, we've been able to see um, progress counts. Um, I think, Chris, in that sense, I have a huge amount of faith 
in the VLC, VEC count system, um, unlike that election over the ditch. Um, and so the result will be the result uh, because once the ballots are received, um, uh, nothing changes. So um, I think it's just more that those of us who are really interested get some frustration because, um, you know, we'd like to know earlier, which has probably prompted us to talk about another matter, Chris. Well, yeah, just before that, I've heard a couple of uh, whispers that there are some recounts being requested in some council areas where the counts have been really tight. I mean, that, that always happens. Of more yeah. concern is, is what's being reported uh, out of Moreland and yeah. referred to, to Vic Pohl, and that is this allegation of vote tampering. Um, there's, there's another Stephen Cooper out there that I heard, I don't know if you know this, I heard on ABC Radio this week, very measured, authoritative-sounding fellow that uh, was speaking about that case. Do you know who that guy is? Same name. Uh, yes, funny about that. I'm in my other life. I may have um, done a little gig on uh, on ABC Radio to oh, talk, to talk about you. that. So. Oh, that was you. Oh, I don't know where those resonant tones on the ABC came from, Chris, but thanks for that. Oh, they must have this machine that makes Yeah, who knew? <laughs> I didn't know where you were going there. Um, I think, Chris, that uh, I go back to the point I made earlier that um, I'm really comforted by the fact that the VEC have the power to ask VCAT to conduct a review into the outcome of an election and the VEC is sufficiently concerned about these reports, which have appeared on uh, multiple uh, media outlets. Um, and the suggestion seems to be that um, voting papers have gone missing, have been submitted with a signature, and then subsequently people who have been waiting for their um, ballot papers have asked the VEC for a paper. And it's obviously been identified that, oh, same name twice. Mm. Yeah. So... Props to the VEC uh, for following that. And, yeah, I mean, it goes without saying, it is the most egregious of electoral offences, um, if it's proven, and the penalty under the Local Government Act, 600 penalty units, so close to $100,000 for the maximum offence. And um, we will let that process take its course, presumably, Chris. Very significant. So, so, so possible or likely outcomes, though, is that it, it affects one ward, as I understand it, and it could mean uh, a by-election would need to be held if it's, if it's determined that it's affected the, the outcome. Exactly. Is that, exactly. Yeah. exactly. And it's, um, it's corrosive that if... Um, if the view is widely held that elections can be tampered with um, in that sort of way, um, then that could infiltrate state, federal elections. It, it, it absolutely strikes at the heart of our democracy. And I know it was, uh, I saw a quote in, uh, in one of the newspapers today that, you know, the crime squad, the fraud squad, the police are taking this very seriously and good on them for doing that. Go hard on the investigation, I say. Uh, absolutely. I second that. Absolutely uh, want to see them take that uh, with the utmost of seriousness. So, mm. as you say, we'll let the process run its course. Uh, we're watching with, with great interest, um, naturally. Uh, yeah. So a couple of other quick notes uh, relating to uh, IBAC. Operation Sandon is it's about to start hearing again or already has started. Um, I've been a bit distracted this week. It starts again next week. Chris. Next week, right. Thank you. Um, and interestingly, uh, the 
Commissioner has indicated that it will broaden its scope to look at planning more generally across um, the state of Victoria. There are multiple witnesses apparently lined up. Um, I think one of the things that um, about IBAC um, public hearings is that it is possible to do your work and have them running in the background. And I'd recommend that to anyone um, because um, this sort of, the, the implications, particularly with a group of new councillors and even returning councillors who can sometimes be blindsided as to the sometimes insidious nature as to how uh, relationships with, say, for example, a development community can play out in decisions of the council. It's really important that people recognise uh, what can happen and, you know, the consequences of that. So keep a close eye. Well, I hope I'll be in the position to take CNN off my second screen permanently in the corner of the office and replace it with that next your, week. But, you know, my confidence is dwindling with every passing hour. Your multitasking. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and just quickly, Steve, before I let you go, there's an IBAC paper on uh, data handling that's caught your eye. A couple of takeaways from that. Absolutely. The third in a series, Chris. So IBAC have released papers on information management in relation to the state government um, and to the police. And this week uh, released a paper on local government uh, worth a read for anyone uh, working in the sector, including councillors. Um, a couple of key takeaways. Um, IBAC is suggesting that the reportage of information misuse is probably, well, there's probably an element of underreporting, I suppose, A, because the systems don't necessarily capture information misuse, or B, because from time to time people aren't alert to the seriousness. Mm. And there's been some well-publicised um, examples that have resulted in prosecutions in the past where people have misused information and passed confidential information on to an external party because of a misguided kind of ethical view that there's a public interest in passing that information on. And the reality is that confidential information is confidential information, and there's no decision that any of us can make to actually change that. Um, sometimes that misuse is found in relation to investigations into other matters, which sort of indicates that there's a bit of a nexus between how, how information is managed and the culture of organisations. Um, we all need to understand that misuse is an enabler to other forms of corruption. Um, and therefore, and also, sorry, it's pointed to particularly, strangely enough, uh, town planning and procurement as processes where information that's made available to external parties can, uh, can influence what goes into their pockets. So we need to be uh, really alert to those areas. Okay, so we recommend that uh, that people take a look at that data handling from uh, IBAC. Thank you. A must uh, read. A yeah. must read indeed. All right. Uh, at the time of recording, uh, we haven't quite done our next live panel, but at the time of you watching this, we probably have done it on uh, governance, uh, building trust and support for new councillors with uh, John Lynch and Ross Millard from the Inspectorate and Blago Namoski from Millenbeck Shire, and that Stephen Cooper guy that's been doing the rounds of media is, is on this one as well. So look out for that one if you weren't in it live, uh, and you remember you may like to access the recording. Thank you, Steve. By the LG Pro website. Thanks, Chris. Good to talk. Indeed. Stephen Cooper from the VLGA and Civic Mind joining us for our weekly governance update, and we'll see you again soon.